Specialty Story, session number 27. Whether you're a pre-med or a medical student, you've answered the calling to become a physician. Soon you'll have to start deciding what type of medicine you'll want to practice. This podcast will tell you the stories of specialists from every field to give you the information you need to make sure you make the most informed decision possible when it comes to choosing your specialty. Welcome to the Specialty Stories Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host for the show today. I also host several other podcasts, so if this is the first time joining me here, go check out mededmedia.com. That's M-E-D-E-D, media.com. Today, we're going to dive into the OBGYN match data. Now, in this podcast, sometimes we dive into match data. Sometimes we have an interview with a specialist. I'm hoping next week to have a great interview for you with a trauma surgeon. But this week, we're going to dive into OBGYN match data. Now, the match data is provided by or is found on the NRMP website. So if you Google NRMP match data for 2017, you will be taken to the NRMP website, nrmp.org. Click on the results and data 2017 main residency match. It's a huge PDF, 124 pages. So all of that information that we're going to discuss and review and talk about is found in that document. So OBGYN is a very interesting specialty. There are a handful of surgical specialties that are thought to be a good mix of medicine and surgery. uh, OBGYN is one of those. Um, ophthalmology is one of those. Urology, which we heard from a week or two ago, is also one of those. And there's one more escaping the top of my head right now. But there are uh, a handful. There's there's about four typically that are thought of to be great medicine and surgery um, specialties. So check those out if you're interested in surgery, but you want some medicine as well. So diving into table one, again, from the NRMP match data, nrmp.org 2017 match data, table one shows all of this, the just the summary of the match. And OBGYN is listed separately from everything else. And uh, meaning it's not under medicine, it's not under surgery, it has its own category. And there are 241 OBGYN programs. So 241 different specialties. And to give you an idea of how many that is, surgery, there's 267. So a little less than surgery. You're looking at uh, internal medicine, obviously huge, 467 programs compared to 241. Uh, Emergency medicine is 191. So OBGYN has more programs. There are only 1,288 spots though. So if you look at emergency medicine, there's 191 programs, but there are 2,047 spots. So almost 800 more spots, even though there are 50 less programs. So that's uh, uh, something to keep in mind. So there are less spots per program in OBGYN. Out of those 1,288 spots, the number of applicants, there were 1,202 U.S. senior applicants. So... 
there are less U.S. senior applicants applying for the total number of OBGYN spots. So meaning, let me, let me rephrase that. There are, there are less U.S. senior applicants applying than there are spots available, which is a good thing. And again, remember for our conversation, U.S. seniors based on this data is specifically talking about allopathic medical students. The NRMP is the match for allopathic medical schools. Now, it will give us a breakdown. If this is your first time joining us, it will give us some information about DO applicants as well. So there were 1,202 U.S. seniors applying, 1,753 total students applying or total people applying. Because remember, they could be physicians in another country applying for OBGYN residency here in the U.S. They could be Caribbean grads, DO students, etc. So the number of students that matched only 81 and a half roughly percent of the U.S. seniors matched. So out of the 1,202, only 1,049 matched. So 150 or so were didn't match. Now there could be a number of reasons for that. Maybe they weren't competitive enough. Maybe they interviewed poorly. Maybe they didn't apply to enough residencies. Maybe they performed poorly on their um, their audition rotations. There are a lot of reasons why a student wouldn't match in a residency. So something to think about. The OBGYN total, 100% of the spots filled. So that's something to keep in mind. If for some reason you're trying to scramble uh, or, or what they call SOAP now, you, uh, for OBGYN, at least for 2017, there were no spots available to SOAP, so to speak. Now, there were, what's interesting, there are 19 PGY1-only OBGYN spots. This is something I didn't really know about until I just looked into it. So typically, PGY1 spots, you have medicine and you have surgery, um, or there's what they call transitional, a transitional year, which is a mix of medicine and surgery. I didn't know there was a OBGYN prelim year. So that's interesting. So this is for the, the students that need to soap and that the students that didn't match, maybe they were able to get a PGY1 spot available. Now, what's interesting, if you continue down on into the PGY2 positions, there's no discussion there about OBGYN having any PGY2 positions. So I question whether or what happens to these students once they finish their PGY1 spot, where do they go on? But there were 19 programs, 23 positions. So it's, it seems like it's just an extra spot for interns, probably at programs that already exist, that, that have normal, um, normal OBGYN programs, possibly. Eight programs went unfilled. So that's kind of interesting for these PGY1 spots. 142 students applied for 23 positions, 202 total, only six matched. So my guess is that based on this data, it, it looks scary. Like how can 142 students apply, but only six match, so U.S. seniors? Well, the, the students that knew about these PGY1-only spots, they probably applied to both 
uh, a categorical OBGYN spot and the prelim spot. And so you get a lot more applicants to the PGY1 spot that hopefully they matched in their categorical and didn't need to go on into the um, into the prelim year. So and and so and if that's the case, they wouldn't have matched the way the algorithm works because they're different programs. The algorithm would have matched them in the categorical, which means they didn't match into the prelim year. That's very confusing. Go look at the data. Table one, match summary 2017 on the NRMP website. So there's the categorical OBGYN programs, 241, 1,288 spots. And then prelim years for OBGYN, 19 programs, 23 spots. All right. So we're all learning something because I didn't know OBGYN had prelim spots. All right, so looking at table two, table two tells us who matched in the specialty. So table one tells us kind of generically how many people matched. Table two tells us specifically who matched. So when you look at OBGYN, again, there was 1,288 spots for the categorical programs. All of those spots were filled. 1,049 were filled by U.S. seniors. We said that was roughly uh, 81%. Where did it go on my list? 81.5% of all the spots went to U.S. allopathic seniors, so those that are still in school. 11 of those spots went to U.S. graduates, so students that went to an allopathic or an MD medical school who aren't in school anymore that possibly reapplied or took a year off to do some research. 11 of those students matched. Now here for for the DO crowd, 123 osteopathic medical students matched into an allopathic OBGYN categorical spot. Outside of the U.S. allopathics and osteopathic students, 64 U.S. IMGs matched into an allopathic OBGYN categorical spot and 41 non-U.S. citizen IMGs matched. So over 100 graduates from a non-U.S. medical school match, 64 being U.S. citizens. So think of the Caribbean, think of schools in Israel and Australia, and I think Scotland is another popular one for students to go to. Think of those schools, even possibly Canada as well. So most, again, 81 and a half are U.S. seniors, allopathic seniors, but a good chunk, 123, are osteopathic medical students. One of my favorite tables to look at is Table 3 in the NRMP match data for 2017. And Table 3 shows us kind of the the growth of programs year over year. So since 2013, when you look at the growth year over year for OBGYN, it's been growing around 45 to 4.7% every year, which is good. It's growing at a good chunk, a good pace. Moving down to table eight, table eight shows us year over year the percentage of applicants that are filled by U.S. seniors. And so again, U.S. seniors, allopathic, MD, medical schools. When you look at 2017 for OBGYN, 81.4% of those that matched were U.S. seniors. In 2016, 77 and a half. 2015, 79.8. 2014, 76.5 and 2013, 76.2. There was a little bump in 2015, went back down, and then came back up 
in 2017. So it seems to have a little bit of a small growth there. It'd be interesting to see what it looked like 2012 and previously. Table 9 shows us how popular OBGYN is compared to all of the other specialties. And so 4.7% of all applicants who matched, matched into OBGYN, 4.7%. So to give you an idea of what that looks like, 7.4% matched into emergency medicine, so very popular, 4.1% into anesthesiology, 54 into psychiatry categorical. So 4.7 for OBGYN. And that's roughly the same looking back over the last couple of years as well, which Table 9 also also shows you. And Table 10, which looks specifically at U.S. seniors who matched by specialty, 6% of all U.S. seniors matched into OBGYN. That's a good number. And then Table 11 tells us osteopathic students who matched into OBGYN. 4.2% of all osteopathic medical students matched into OBGYN. And Table 12, rounding out those that matched into PGYN spots, Table 12 shows us foreign-trained physicians, so the international medical graduates. This is kind of interesting, kind of an aside. We used to call international medical graduates FMGs, foreign medical graduates, and it's kind of interesting how this table still kind of holds on to that name a little bit, the foreign-trained physicians. And so OBGYN for uh, IMGs, only 1.6% of IMGs matched into OBGYN, which makes sense. Typically, the more of the subspecialties are harder to match into as an international medical graduate. Looking at internal medicine here, 46% of all IMGs matched into OBGYN. And just to give you an idea, internal medicine for Osteopathic medical students is 23 and a half, and for for U.S. or for all applicants, it's uh, 25.6, and for U.S. seniors, it's 18.6. So you kind of see the the 25.6 percent of all applicants is kind of held up by the international medical graduate crowd that is leaning towards family or internal medicine rather. Table 13 is interesting, and I don't think I've covered it in other episodes where I've done a deep dive into the residency data. Table 13 shows us the applicant choices by specialty. And so when you look at OBGYN, again, 1,288 total positions that were available, 1,288 matched. Now, U.S. seniors, 968 of those that matched only ranked OBGYN programs. 198 ranked OBGYN as the first specialty, and they had a different specialty after that first one. 36 uh, 36 students that matched into OBGYN had a different specialty before OBGYN. Now, I know this is common, the, the data is here. It's, it's common. But I just, I, I personally can't understand ranking more than one career, right? This is, this is your residency training. This is your specialty. And while, yes, it is possible to change careers at some point, 
don't you only want to do it once? So for these 36 students that opened up their envelope and saw OBGYN, which is not the specialty they ranked first, what did they feel like? So think about that. As you're going through this process and you're trying to figure out what you want to do, try to narrow it down to one program because it's it. the data shows that when you rank more than one program, it, it starts to kind of work against you and it, there's probably some psychology working in there as well. But uh, interesting information. So looking back at the, the information I just gave you, the... The table 13 is applicant choices by specialty. And so those are applicants to OBGYN, not the ones that actually matched. Table 14 shows us the ones that actually matched. And so when you look at table 14, and unfortunately it doesn't give us the breakdown of first choice, not first choice. Uh, it just tells us those that ranked each specialty as their only choice. So that's a little bit of a bummer, but it gives you an idea of those that are applying to other specialties as well. So OBGYN, 890 out of the 968 that applied as their only choice, 890 of the 968 matched. Uh, not table, figure six actually shows us the percentages of unmatched U.S. seniors and independent applicants. So again, U.S. seniors are those allopathic medical students that are still in school, independent applicants, everybody else. OBGYN is near the bottom for total unmatched percentage at 15.4%, which is good. We've covered physical medicine and rehabilitation before, and their unmatched rate is 27 and a half. Even family medicine is 25%. So OBGYN at 15.4 is pretty good. And the majority of those unmatched applicants are the independent applicants. Unmatched U.S. seniors is very small at 8.1%. It's actually, when, when you look at it, 8.1%, Compared to other specialties, 8.1% is on the higher end um, of U.S. senior unmatched. So I kind of take that back. When you look at anesthesiology, their U.S. senior is only 0.9%. Internal medicine, 0.5%. And let me find another one. Physical medicine rehabilitation is 7.1%. Is so even though the total unmatched is 27.5% for physical medicine rehabilitation, and OBGYN is 15.4, the U.S. senior unmatched is still pretty high at 8.1%. I'm not sure how that math works <laughs> because if 41.2% are independent applicants and 8.1% are U.S. seniors, I'm, I'm uh, scratching my head a little bit why it's so low on the list. Anyway, moving on. I don't have all the, the numbers to, to crunch in front of me. I trust the graphs that the NRMP is putting out. So table 18 covers SOAP information for 2017 and 2016. And as we mentioned earlier, the, the 1,288 or 89 spots, whatever it was, that were available 
went completely filled. So when you're looking at this, as you, as you look at it yourself, table one shows you all of those that matched pre-SOAP. And if there are no programs available based on table one, then obviously no programs are available for the SOAP. With the prelim, the OBGYN prelim years, the PGY1 only spots, there were eight programs, nine spots available, and eight of those spots went filled. All right, so let's move on to the charting the outcomes PDF that you can also get from NRMP. Again, if you just Google NRMP match data, charting the outcomes is there. The 2016 version is still up, the one that I'm looking at right now. Chart five, and and I'll go back to what I was just saying earlier about ranking more than one specialty. When you look at chart five, the the students that did not match, all of them, all of them were equal to or more than the number of different specialties ranked versus the students that matched. Meaning, those that did not match ranked more specialties in their match list than those that did match. So you're focusing your efforts on too many different places instead of honing in on one and putting all of your cards on the table for one specialty. And based on the data, it shows that those that that spread out too thin and apply to more than one program or more than apply to more programs than than those that didn't match the, those that apply to fewer programs actually matched so focus your energy on one specialty all right now there there is some obviously overlap with a lot of different specialties so di- diagnostic radiology can be very similar to um, interventional radiology. There are some some programs that are opening up for interventional radiology. It's not on this list, but could be something very similar. So there is some overlap. Obviously, vascular surgery, general surgery, plastic surgery, orthopedics, a lot of the surgical fields overlap, and, and maybe you could be completely happy in one or the other. So I'll, I'll give you that, that there is some overlap with some of these programs. Now, looking at chart eight, the number of research experiences from U.S. allopathic seniors, OBGYN is actually higher for those that matched at 3.2 mean number of research experiences. So looking at orthopedic surgery, it's at four. Uh, Otolaryngology, ENT, is at 5.1. But OBGYN at 3.2, it's pretty decent. It's probably right in the middle of the pack. So pretty research heavy for those that match. Those that didn't match had 2.8, so not a lot fewer. Chart 12, 15% of the OBGYN US seniors that matched, 15% were AOA, which is the Alpha Omega Alpha, the honor society for medical students. And only 2% of those that did not match were AOA. So doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be AOA, but pretty big difference there between those that were and those that weren't based on who matched and who did not. All right, moving down into the OBGYN specific information table, OB1. OB1 tells us, it kind of sounds like OB1. OB1 tells us uh, a lot of data for OBGYN. So those that matched, the mean number of contiguous ranks 
was 12.5. Now, if you've listened to any of these deep dives before, you'll know that this is one of the key indicators of who's going to match and who's not. You are more likely to match when you rank more programs. Just it, the, the law of, of numbers and statistics just tells you that the more that you rank, the better your chances. And so those that matched, 12.5 was the mean number of contiguous ranks. Those that did not match, 6.7 was the mean number of contiguous ranks. So almost double those that matched versus those that did not. Looking at step one scores, 229 for step one versus 214 for those that did not match. Step two, 244 for those that matched, 230 for those that did not. One of the the numbers that I don't really cover, I haven't really covered, but I'll cover it here if you're a pre-med student listening to this. Number 10 on this, the percentage of who graduated from one of the 40 U.S. medical schools with the highest NIH funding. So this is one of those where I get a lot of students saying, does it matter where I go to medical school? And the answer I typically always say is, no, it doesn't matter unless you have aspirations of being a top academic person at Harvard or Stanford or something else, then maybe think about going to one of those more elite schools. But for OBGYN specifically, and from here on out, I'll try to cover this number as well, it gives us the number, the percentage who graduated from one of the 40 U.S. medical schools, those that matched, 31.2% of those that matched came from one of those 40 schools. So just think about that. Most of the students are coming from somewhere else. You don't have to go to an elite school to match an OBGYN. Now, when you look at unmatched, you go, well, maybe the unmatched students didn't go to one of those, and it's going to be a, a higher, a, a lot lower percentage of those that went to one of those schools. And it's actually right about the same at 29.8%. So 29.8% versus 31.2%, they, they went to a top 40 U.S. medical school based on NIH funding, which to me doesn't really tell me anything about the quality of the school, it just means the school does a lot of research and is good at writing grants for money. So not a big difference there. All right, let's switch gears and dive into the Medscape data. So I love going over the Medscape reports, the family medicine, or not family medicine, the lifestyle report and the compensation report as well. So I'll go over lifestyle first. And the lifestyle report tells us that OBGYNs are pretty burnt out. They're second highest on the list at 56%. Emergency medicine, which we've covered before, is the highest at 59%. So just trailing behind a couple from OBGYN. That's one of those where you never want to be number one. Um, Looking at slide three on here for how severe is your burnout, OBGYN is near the top at 4.3. And so it's on a scale from one to seven. One equals, it does not interfere with my life. Seven equals, it is so severe that I'm thinking of leaving medicine altogether. So it's on the higher end. But when you actually look at the all of the specialties listed here, none of them drop below 3.9. So everybody's kind of <laughs> on the way out, it seems like which is one of those questions for the pre-med out there is why, why do you want to enter this? You have to be ready to enter the, uh, answer that question on your interviews. Moving on to slide 18, which physicians are the happiest? OBGYN is right in the middle with around 69% happy outside of work. 
and 32% happy at work. Right in the middle of the pack. They're all pretty close together. All right, and then moving on to the compensation report. So OBGYN is near the middle, but lower than half at 286000 as the average annual physician compensation. So orthopedics at the very top, pediatrics at the very bottom, according to the compensation report from Medscape. Looking at slide 18, which physicians feel fairly compensated, OBGYN is near the bottom at 48%. So only 48% of OBGYN docs feel fairly compensated, which is interesting. The best question, I think, would you choose medicine again? OBGYN, second from the bottom at 72%. The bottom, neurology. So only 72% would choose medicine again. At the top is rheumatology at 83%, psychiatry at 82%. So OBGYN, only 82%. Would you choose the same specialty? OBGYN, again, pretty near the bottom at 76%. So a lot of the people that are responding to this are not very happy with their specialty of OBGYN. And that's all I have for you today about OBGYN. Again, I I didn't leave you with a a happy note with a lot of OBGYN docs not very happy with their career, a lot not choosing to enter medicine again, a lot not choosing to choose the same specialty. But information is power. Knowledge is power. So take this information and use it to your advantage. I think that a lot of people go into specialties not knowing enough about the specialty, not knowing enough about what their life is going to be like, which is why I have this podcast. So take this information and use it so you can best make a, a, an informed decision, right? When we're talking to patients, it's all about informed consent. So I am helping you with informed consent for choosing your specialty. It's a, a good way to think about it. So with that, hopefully next week I'll have a great interview for you with a trauma surgeon. And if I don't, I'll have something else great for you. I hope you join us next week. Don't forget to check out all of the podcasts that we have to offer on the MedEd Media Network at mededmedia.com. We'll see you next week.